I was reading a wee thing this afternoon, and uh, it was something that a Welsh preacher said at the Keswick Convention. <clears throat> he was relating a dream that he had, and this is only an introduction. <clears throat> and uh, in this dream, he was walking down the street one day, <clears throat> and uh, he seen a plaque up announcing a mission. And he looked at the placard or the notice, and it says the angel Gabriel was speaking at it. Now, it was in England someplace, so I think this is only a dream. <clears throat> and he thought, well, I would love to go and hear what the angel Gabriel would have to say. So he was pondering over that thought, and he went on down the street a little bit further, and he seen another placard up, and it says, there's a mission on. And it's the Apostle Peter that's taking it. And he looked at the times, and it was the same time as Gabriel was on the other one. And he was standing, scratching his head, saying, I would love to go to both of them. Which one of the two do I go to? And he couldn't make up his mind which one to go to. <clears throat> and just as he was standing there, trying to ponder up his mind, he got a tap on the shoulder. And he turned around, there was a man standing behind him. And he said to him, so see, are you trying to make up your mind which of these two you go to? And he said he was. And the man behind him says, well, to so see, I tell you, go to the one the Apostle Peter is speaking at. Because, to so see, I went to one one time and to so see, he led me to Christ and I got saved. So see, my name's Cornelius. <clears throat> it was only a dream. <clears throat> but we're going to go to Peter today to see what he have to say and Maybe through reading what Peter's on, uh, we'll be able to see someone here redeemed by sovereign grace tonight, and that you'll know the way of Christ and salvation in your own heart. Before we turn to God's word, let us bow for a word of prayer together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we have sung some wonderful words here tonight. Lord, what a thing it is, amazing grace. We'll never fathom it, we'll never get to understand it fully. And yet, Lord, it's that amazing that it can lift a sinner from the gutter of sin and make him a new creature in Christ. And Lord, put his name on the glory. Lord, could anybody on earth ever understand how great that step would be? Lord, to think that there's power in the blood. And Lord, to think that we have a faithful God that we are singing about. Lord, surely that should fill the heart of everybody that's gathered in our meeting tonight to think that we have a God who will never let us down. A God who will never fail. A God who has all the abundance of grace that we sinners will ever need to help us to stand before God. And Lord, as we come to look at thy word tonight, we pray, Lord, that you'll write it on our hearts, the reality of the word of God. That you'll help every one of us to understand what it means You'll help us all to take it into our hearts, the blessing that it means to each one of us. And Lord, there's nobody here today that you don't have a word to say to. You have a word to the believers, and you have a word to the sinner. You have a word to the backslider. You have a word for those who are doubting. Lord, you have something for everyone. Lord, we praise you. We never come to the house of God with an open heart and go away hungry. And Lord, we'll not be going hungry tonight if we listen to what the Lord has to say. So, Lord, may by thy spirit be in our gathering tonight. 
And Lord, may every heart be opened and every ear be in tune to listen to what the Spirit of God says. Lord, don't get them to listen to me because I'll make a mess of it. But Lord, you have something worthwhile to say to every heart. Lord, help us all to expect something from God this evening that will be to your praise, who we ask it in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Could we turn to first epistle of Peter on chapter 1? <clears throat> First epistle of Peter in chapter 1. It says in the first verse, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadonia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, and I have abundant mercy underlined in red there, because I think that must be a mighty thing. If he had just said mercy, it was it's mighty. But he says abundant mercy. So that's a turbocharged mercy. I don't know what you call it, but it's more than ordinary mercy. Abundant, able to meet every need. <clears throat> He hath begotten us unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed at the last time wherein ye greatly rejoice though now for a season if need be you are in heaviness through manifold temptations that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found to the praise and the honour and the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom, though now you see him not, yet believing ye rejoiced with joy unspeakable and full of glory. What wonderful, wonderful verses. <clears throat> And you know, as I was pondering over these, and as I was listening to Ken preaching this morning, I just said I'm having the second version and the second phase of what Ken was on this morning. Now, I didn't make it out after that because I had it all sorted out, I hope, before that. And you know, I was just amazed that Ken was preaching the introduction to my sermon this morning. Isn't it wonderful the way the Lord leads things and sorts them out? <clears throat> and this was Peter. In John chapter 21, there's that story of Christ appearing to the disciples for the third time. Do you mind they were out fishing all night and they caught nothing? And whenever they came into the shore in the morning, uh, Christ was on the shore and he called them over and that was the third time. And they were fishing all night and caught nothing. Put down your nets and you'll catch more. And whenever they came onto the shore that day, Christ started to talk to Peter And he asked Peter, do you love me? After Peter said, you know I love you. Christ said to Peter, I want you to feed my lambs. And then he asked them a couple more times and he said, I want you to feed my sheep as well. You know, whether you're an old Christian, if I can call it that, long saved, I mean, I don't mean gray hairs. Whether you're long saved or short saved, there's still food in the word of God for to meet your soul. Isn't that amazing? 
Even the child can get a faith from the, lo- from the word of God. The old pensioner can get something from the word of God. There is no disappointment whenever we come to read that old book. We'll find something that will thrill our souls for God. <clears throat> and you know Peter started to feed the people. He fed a pile of people on the day of Pentecost. And over the weeks and the years that passed by, he walked up and down the street and he seen people hailed by the fragrance of the Lord passing him. And he preached many a sermon and he seen them fed, fed over and over again. And here we're reading the, the, the old book of Peter. Do you know what he's doing? He's still feeding people. <clears throat> you know, there's not a man in the country feeding people for 2,000 years. He'd be a brave old cook if he was going to keep feeding for 2,000 years. But there's Peter still writing again and we're still enjoying the feeding that he's putting out there. What a wonderful thing it is to realize that the feeding of God never, never loses its flavor. Peter wasn't an extraordinary man, you know. He was an apostle. Well, I suppose that is extraordinary. But he also said on over in in, in, in the book there that He's just an elder like everybody else. There was nothing special about Peter other than the fact that the Lord had called him and sealed him and stamped him with a special authority and he was called of God. But he was just a man like you and me. You know, God can call you for certain things. You're only normal. There's nothing special about you. You just splutter about and make a mess of things like the way I do. But somehow or another, God can take people like that and he can... Anoint them for a service and use them for his glory. Don't you think God's forgot about you? Because God has a plan for you. And God has a purpose for you. And until the day that you suck your last breath of air, God had something for you to do. <clears throat> Peter was just an ordinary man. Loved fishing. Quite probably used love fishing too. But you don't go out in a boat and catch a net full of fish. <clears throat> You go out with a hook and you come home with one that land there, grows to that land after you kill it. <clears throat> Who's the fisherman? <clears throat> They're only smiling. They're not saying anything. <clears throat> but you know, he was just a fisherman, touched of God. <clears throat> and he was writing to these people. <clears throat> and it's very interesting who he was writing to. <clears throat> it says he was writing to the strangers scattered throughout those Providence. And whenever I looked up strangers to see what it meant, it meant strangers in the country they were in. They weren't strangers to Peter. He knew them. He was writing to them. He knew them. But whenever they were away from home and away from their homeland and they were scattered into another country, they were living among people that they didn't know. And in that country they were in, they were strangers. <clears throat> and you know, there were strangers scattered throughout the country. <clears throat> and whenever you start sewing all this up together and you try to work it all out together, <clears throat> you'll see that there were scattered strangers in a country that they weren't familiar with and they had no company. They were almost alone. You know, they weren't in Jerusalem where they could go to the temple in the assembly of the Lord's people. They were alone. And there was a lot of them down there, and there was a lot of them maybe 20 miles up the road, and there was a lot of them, some, and they had no fellowship together. 
They were scattered throughout the country. <clears throat> you know, they lacked the fellowship that the believers did. And they lacked those someone that if they had a problem to turn to because there was just maybe a wee family here and a wee family there. And there wasn't a pastor that they could go to. They were scattered. They were isolated believers. <clears throat> they couldn't have rang around a few friends and said, we'll have a prayer meeting tonight because there was nobody about to come to the prayer meeting. They were all far away. They were scattered throughout the country. <clears throat> you know, with the conditions of the country they were living in, and the Roman government and all the rest of it, there was a bit of fear in their hearts because there was persecution and there was trouble and there was all those things going on. If you put all those together, you'll see that they were, they had no fellowship, and they were alone, and they were scattered, and there was a fear in their heart, and they felt it. They were feeling alone, they were feeling a fear of persecution, and they couldn't enjoy much of the fellowship that anybody else knew, and probably around the district that nobody cared about them. They were strangers, you say, in a strange land. <clears throat> But you know what verse 2 says? They were elect according to the foreknowledge of God. They were strangers to people, but they were no strangers to God. Isn't that mighty? And how often we can be a stranger in the world we live in. And you can go here and you can go there. And you feel strange in it. <clears throat> I remember in my job, they used to send me out to old exhibitions and new building products and all this type of thing. And the first thing you seen whenever you went through the door was a lot of brandies and a lot of uh, whiskies and all. Have one that's free. And it was a common thing. And everybody in there was running about with wee glasses. And boy, I'll tell you something. There was a crowd in that room, but I felt a stranger. You can be a stranger in those big towns. You can be a stranger because you love Christ and you're among a bunch of people that doesn't love Christ. <clears throat> he was writing to those who felt strangers in big countries. <clears throat> Is it possible that you're here tonight and there's a burden on your heart and there's nobody in this hall knows about? You're here tonight and there's something that you would love someone could give you an answer to, but you can't find anyone. And you sit in the room tonight and you're half here and you're half not here. The reality is because of the burden on your heart, you're just a stranger in the midst of it. Well, I'll tell you something. You're elect according to God. Isn't that amazing? Sit there with your burden. Sit there alone. Sit there in your distressed mind. Sit there with your worries. But you're known to God. Isn't that amazing? What a saviour. Oh, but it's great to be saved and to know the Lord. <clears throat> ah, yes, we can sit in the meeting and still feel a stranger. Crowds around us. <clears throat> I mind the time I was going through a bunch of depression. You couldn't imagine a clown like me depressed, but it wasn't. They're depressed. Everybody else never was talking to them. But, you know, so often you could have went to the meeting half depressed out of your mind. And you were just looking away home again out of the road. Nobody seemed to care. And you just want, you were alone in the meeting. Ah, but the Lord knew me. Isn't that amazing? None of God. Are you here like that tonight? The Lord knows you're here. And he knows your problem. 
and he knows your heartache. And he has your names on the palms of his hand if you're saved by grace. And he'll never forget about you. What a saviour. <clears throat> what a saviour. You know, known to God, <clears throat> according to the foreknowledge of God. <clears throat> you know something? Whenever we arrived in this old world, we didn't surprise the Lord. He knew we were coming. Long before ever we got here, he knew we were coming. Isn't it amazing? Oh, sometimes some people are surprised. Sometimes parents are surprised when another one turns up. I think my father and mother were surprised because their wee brother turned up whenever I was 17. They must have fell through the floor. <clears throat> but you know, the Lord wasn't surprised. And he'll not be surprised where you are. Oh, what a saviour. What a saviour. Known according to the foreknowledge of God. And that's not only that that he knew we were coming. But he knew the working of the spirit within us when we did come. Because it says there, according to the foreknowledge of the Father, through sanctification of the spirit. So the Lord knew between the foreknowledge that the spirit would be working within us. And he knew what would happen to us. Ah, oh, we have a mighty God. He knew about the sprinkling of the blood. It says it there. Ah, we might be strangers to the world outside, but we're not strangers to God. We are redeemed, we're saved, we're into the family of Christ, we're all one in Christ, and we're redeemed. What a saviour. Are you saved tonight? Are you redeemed? If you are, you're one of the family. And you're my brother in Christ. What a mighty saviour we have in Jesus. I hope you're there. <clears throat> <clears throat> He comes to that verse 3 and he talks about that abundant mercy. You know what abundant means? It means an overflow amount. It means an excessive amount. It means something bigger than the problem that we have to put against it. Do you know, I don't care how big your sin is and I don't care how big your problem is. There's an abundance of mercy that's more than able to meet it. Isn't that mighty? We will never go to the Savior and he turn around and say, but that's too big for me. That will never happen. And I don't care how big your burden is tonight. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. All the burdens are lifted at Calvary. There never was a burden wasn't lifted at Calvary. And there never will be a person come to Calvary when the burden won't be lifted. What a Savior. We have a mighty saviour. <clears throat> He's given us abundant mercy. <clears throat> Do you know what the abundant mercy gives us? <clears throat> Says it there. The abundant mercy gives us a lively hope. But I wouldn't know much good getting a dead one, would it? But do you know what he means by a lively hope? You know, sometimes you get an idea in your head. And boys, you have this wonderful big idea in your head. And you think everything's going to work out rosy. And you see, if somebody comes to you a week later, the idea's passed off and gone. You've changed your mind. But whenever we talk about a lively hope in the gospel, it's living, it's going to continue living, it'll keep on living, it's never going to die. It's a lively hope that we have forever. <clears throat> Are you saved? 
He's talking about the resurrection and meeting the Lord in the air to that incorruptible thing. We have a living hope and it's going to live until we get there. What a saviour. We have a mighty saviour. <coughs> living hope. <coughs> It'll be a lively hope in a thousand years from now, just the way it is today. Onto that wonderful non-corruption thing. <coughs> it's an inheritance that's incorruptible. And that's undefiled, that'll never fade away. You know, that's the climax of the abundant mercy, the inheritance. Us inheriting it, that's the climax, as far as we can see it. I can't tell you anything more beyond that, because heaven's going to be so splendor. The half has never yet been told, and I could not explain to you the quarter of what heaven's going to be like. But I do know this, that lively hope's going to make us get there. I hope you're going. You'll only be going if you're saved by grace and redeemed by sovereign grace and washed in the blood. That's all that'll be taking you to heaven. <clears throat> There's nothing we could ever do to deserve this abundant grace. There's no price we could ever pay. There's no lifestyle that we could ever have lived. It's abundant grace. It's abundant grace. <clears throat> And you know whose it is? It's not yours. It's not mine. It's not the preacher's to give you. It's God's abundant grace. Oh, if I was trying to make up that pile of abundant grace, it wouldn't get you very far. But the grace of God is mighty. All cleansing is met in the abundant grace. What a mighty saviour we have. Abundant mercy. And you know, <clears throat> this incorruptible thing that we have is reserved in heaven for us. <clears throat> Someday, it'll be ours. Someday, the man, the God, who made these mansions of glory will give it to you. It's reserved. Nobody else is getting it. It's yours. God made it for you. Why did he make it for you? Because he knew you were one of his elect and he knew you were coming. What a saviour. <clears throat> oh, the blessing of being redeemed is a reality. The assurance that being washed in the blood, the assurance of the Lord of glory coming again from the heavens, the assurance of getting to glory, the assurance of being a partaker of the abundant grace, it's not a thought in our mind, it's reality. Are you saved? Do you know what it's like to have your names in the book of life and to know you're going home? I hope you do. Maybe there's some here tonight that's not saved. You never have taken Christ as your saviour. That inheritance that's incorruptible and unfading in the clouds and the glory, it's not yours, it never will be yours because you're not saved, you're lost, you're doomed, you're going to a Christless eternity. And all that I'm talking about tonight, it's not yours because you're not saved. If you want to get to the glory, you'll need to take Christ as your saviour. If you're looking to walk those golden streets, you'll need to be redeemed. You have to come as a sinner to Jesus. Maybe tonight your name is not in the book of life. And if the role was called tonight, you'd be left behind. You'd be lost forever. Friend, you can be saved tonight by sub because the grace is abundant.
the Virgin. What a wonderful Savior. <clears throat> but you know, there's some people doesn't get saved, you know. Because they're afraid of maybe not being able to keep it. There's some people doesn't think of getting saved because the standard of Christianity, they think they couldn't make it. And you know, in all reality, you couldn't make it. Because I sin from day to day. I'm not perfect. Praise God for the abundant mercy that keeps me and for the wonderful grace that forgives me. And we live in the grace. But you know something? If you're here tonight and you're not getting saved because you think you couldn't make it, I have a verse to show you. And I want you to listen to the verse and I want you to get the verse. And it's one of the ones we read together. Verse 5. Peter's writing to these people who are saved. And he says about those who are saved, he says they are kept by the power of God unto salvation. They're not keeping themselves. They're not trying to be as good as they can be, although that's a part of it. But they're not depending on their own good works or their own ability. They're depending on the keeping power of God. If you're here tonight and you're not saved and you're afraid of getting saved because you couldn't keep it, you're only making little out of God's word because he says he's able to keep. There's no point in being afraid of falling because he is able to keep those from falling. Do you know what the idea is behind this word keeping? I'm not going to try to say the Greek word. I need need Ken here for the pronunciation of Greek words. But whenever we talk about this word here, keeping, and I think it's the only time in the Bible that is used in this particular meaning. There's other places where it's used, but it's only here used in this meaning. It's meaning like as if you were in a prison. It's a meaning like as if you were in a prison and the doors were locked and they were barred and you couldn't get out and there was no way out and you were kept in the prison. Well, that's what God says. I'm going to keep you. I'll show you another one. You remember the time whenever... In Acts chapter 12, they put Peter in prison. <clears throat> you may remember the story about the angel appearing to him at night. And he was chained to the soldiers. Uh, and the bands fell off. And the angel says, get up and come on out. And he got up and he followed the angel out onto the streets. And it says the door was opened and then the other door was opened. And Peter was in prison. <clears throat> Now that was Peter in prison. And the words that was used in the Bible was, they kept him in prison for that night until the angel let him out. And it actually says the word, Peter was kept in prison. And Peter couldn't get out of prison. He was chained to the the soldiers. He was in the inner prisons. The door was locked. There was no way on this earth Peter was going to get out of prison only for the angel. He had still been in it. Well, I'll tell you something. The word that was used for keeping Peter in the prison 
wasn't half as strong a word as that word there for God keeping you. You're more secure in Christ than you would be in a prison with the doors locked. He is able to keep anything that we have put to his trust. If you're here tonight and you're saved and you're pondering and you're wondering where you're going and you're wondering what's happened to you, I don't care what's happening to you, you're still kept by the power of God. And you're held in his hand and you're surrounded with his arms and overneath is the, over the head is the wings of God. Underneath is the everlasting harm and there's nothing can separate you from the love of God because you're kept by the power of And you say I wouldn't like to get saved because I couldn't keep it? God keeps you dear. God will keep you. <clears throat> and I don't care what your problem is or what your habits has been or where you have come from and what you have to break or what you have to get deliverance from. No matter what it is, he's able to keep. He breaks the bonds. He sets prisoners free. And he's able to keep. <clears throat> don't start thinking I can't make it. He's able to keep you. Oh, it's wonderful just to think that we are kept by the power of God. And if you're here tonight and you're saved by sovereign grace, you're kept. Kept by the power. And you know, whenever you look into it, and you look into it what the power of God really is that's keeping you. Do you know what the power of God is that's keeping you? Remember the day they put Lazarus in the old grave and they gave him up for dead? The Lord came two or three days later and shouts, Lazarus, come forth. That was the power of God. That's the power that's keeping you, the power that called Lazarus from the dead. And whenever he was going down the road and he seen the blind man sitting there and he couldn't see and he had never seen all the days of his life and he made clay and put them on his eyes and he got his eyesight and his, his eyesight back, that's the power that's keeping you. <clears throat> and we could go through many other examples whenever they put him on the cross and he died and they put him in a grave and they come out of the grave alive and alive forevermore that was the power that's keeping you we're not kept by your own ability we're not kept by the things of the church we're not kept by the fellowship we're not kept by anything we're kept by a sovereign almighty power and the gates of hell can't even prevail against it Friend, if you're not saved, get saved tonight because he can keep you. If he couldn't keep you, I would never tell you to get saved. But I know from over 40, maybe 50 years experience that he's able to keep you. Whether it's through batches of depression, whether it's through batches of sickness, whether it's through disappointments of life, The keeping power of God is part of his abundant mercy and it will never fail. What a saviour. Kept by his power through faith. Just keep believing. Just keep trusting him. You're kept by his power. In Psalm 121 There's a verse in it. Do you know what it says? Psalm 121 and verse 3 says this. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that 
keepeth Israel will not slumber. He that keepeth Israel will not slumber. That's who's keeping you. One who never slumbers nor sleeps. That's only verse 3. Do you know what verse 5 says in Psalm 121? It says, The Lord is your keeper. Oh, friend, we have a mighty Savior. We have a wonderful Lord. We have one who is able to keep us from falling. We have one who is able to redeem us and lift us in abundant mercy to see his glory. What a mighty Savior we have. I hope you're saved tonight. I hope you know what it's like to be walking with God. What a mighty Savior. And to think that the psalmist, as he wrote that psalm in 121, he probably was thinking of been out on the hillside keeping the sheep. And he said, the Lord's my keeper. He was thinking of every little sheep that got into difficulty. He was thinking that every time the one got caught in the bushes, the shepherd went and pulled him out. You know, there's a good, loving shepherd. Can you say, the Lord's my shepherd? And he's keeping you. What a saviour. D.L. Moody one day was preparing a sermon and you would have thought D.L. Moody had no problem whenever he started to prepare sermons but he was preparing a sermon on grace and he was trying to work out and get some illustration to explain and put over the message of what grace really is And he pondered on it for a long time and he couldn't make any headway. And he got a bit frustrated with it and he he ended up going out onto the footpath. He walked across the road and the first person he met, he he asked them, do you know what grace is? The person he met was a policeman. And it was just the first person he met. It was no particular person. Just the first person he met do you know what grace is? Do you know what happened? That old policeman started to question and he realized what grace was. And before he had finished with him, he got saved in the street. Can I ask you something? Do you know what grace is? Do you know what the abundant mercy of God is? If you're here in your sin tonight, you can know tonight what grace really is. Because him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. He is ready to meet you. He wants to meet you. He wants to call you. He wants to save you. And he doesn't only want to save you, but he wants to keep you. Why would you be afraid to come to the Savior? You might end up a stranger among the company you go with. But I'd rather be a stranger on earth than known by God. I would rather be a stranger to my mates down here than to have the stamp of God in me. Oh, hallelujah, what a privilege to be saved and to be kept by the power of God. Are you saved tonight? Do you know the Savior? Do you know the abundant mercy? What a mighty Savior we have. What a wonderful Savior. Let's bow our heads for the word of prayer.